just fix what Steve broke. So our Bible reading this morning, as Julian said, from Proverbs and Titus, uh, our first passage from Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. Better be a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. Then uh, chapter 25, verse 28. Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. Then we go to Titus chapter 2, verses 11 to 14. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. So Father, reading. Uh, thanks to Vet. Um, I know it's hard to keep your finger in three spots in the Bible, but maybe do your best. Um, we'll be coming back. Cheers. We'll be coming back to the Proverbs, uh, perhaps more than the Titus reading. So that might be where you want to put your bookmark this morning. Uh, I don't know how familiar you are with Greek mythology. I'm going to guess probably not greatly familiar as myself. Um, but you might be aware that in Greek mythology, there's a group of creatures called the Sirens. Uh, the sirens live way out to sea on rocky islands uh, and it seems that all they do is that when a boat um, passes by they sing this song and it's a, it's a beautiful song, it's an irresistible song and anyone who's sailing past and hears this song can't help but be attracted to it. They'll either steer their boat straight towards them or jump overboard and, and swim. This song is so wonderful and so uh, irresistible. And so anyone who hears the sirens inevitably dies. They're, they're shipwrecked. Uh, they, um, yeah, they, they, they die on those rocks. I don't know why the sirens do that. I don't know what they get out of it, but that's just what they do. Uh, anyway, one day the, the Greek hero, Odysseus, uh, had to sail past the sirens. Um, he knew what they were about, he knew where they were, and he knew he was going to have to somehow get by them. But Odysseus wanted to hear the sirens' song and somehow escape. So he came up with a plan. He was a clever guy. He came up with a plan. He thought, I've got a lot of wax on the boat for whatever reason. I'll plug all the sailors on my boat's ears with these lumps of wax. Then they won't hear a thing. Uh, they won't be attracted, uh, attracted and take the ship off route. Uh, and because I want to hear it, he thought, I'll just have them tie me to the mast. That way I won't jump overboard uh, and swim uh, and drown. And I'll tell my sailors, just ignore me, whatever happens. So that was his plan. Uh, and that's what they did. He, he plugged his sailors' ears with wax. They couldn't hear a thing. Uh, they were fine. And he had them tie him to the mast and he heard the siren song. Uh, it called to him. He, he struggled. He fought. He was in great pain, uh, yelling and screaming. But his crew completely ignored him as uh, he'd instructed them. And as a result, he heard their song, but they sailed safely past, uh, only a little worse aware as a result. Now sometimes I think we approach self-control a bit like Odysseus and the sirens. Uh, we see self-control as something uh, that would be painful, that would be difficult, that uh, restricts us 
and keeps us from what could be actually quite fun and good and probably harmless for us. We see self-control as a negative thing. We, we live in a world that views self-control very dimly. Uh, you know, the world says it's good to find ourselves, it's good to gain experience. It's, it's all about being self-fulfilled. That's the way to a good life. And self-control is simply an outdated obstacle that prevents us from what, getting what is right and good for us. Now, it might not come as a surprise, but Proverbs disagrees with that. Proverbs tells us that not only is self-control not bad, but actually self-control is very good for us. In fact, it tells us self-control is essential if we want to live wisely in this world. Self-control is essential. So how is it so good and how do we wisely get it? Well, that's what the book of Proverbs is going to teach us this morning. And that's what we're going to see as we look at these two Proverbs together. Now, so Proverbs talks about self-control an awful lot. It, it talks about when we use it or why we should use it, the results of, of having it or not having it. But only on occasion does it actually tell us about what self-control is. And the two Proverbs we're looking at this morning uh, do exactly that. Let me read again Proverbs 16 verse 32. Better a patient man than a warrior, a man who controls his temper than one who takes a city. Uh, essentially what this verse does is it praises self-control to us. It says self-control is essential for us. Uh, it, in fact, it is more valuable than a warrior who could conquer a city. Uh, what is it? Well, the, the word there, control his temper or self-control in some translations, means literally rules or overcomes his spirit. Self-control is being able to rule or being able to beat your spirit or what we, we might understand as yourself. And so if we put, to put the proverb into slightly different words, we might read it like this, better than one who conquers a city is he who conquers himself. That is wisdom, that is self-control. Conquering self, uh, conquering spirit. But how? Because doesn't that seem so far out of reach? Doesn't that seem so unachievable? I mean, who can say they overcome themselves? That, that seems like the impossible goal, doesn't it? Uh, Tim Keller, when he writes about wisdom, he says uh, there are too many examples of world beaters who won prizes or literally conquered nations but who could not control their tempers, their tongues or their emotions. Uh, and if we think about famous figures, we see that played out, don't we? Uh, Tiger Woods, able to conquer golf and yet not conquer his lusts. Uh, Amy Winehouse, beat the music world but not her addiction. O.J. Simpson, ruled the football field but not his emotions. And we could keep going, couldn't we? And that's what Proverbs is suggesting here too, isn't it? Not only is uh, self-control better than conquering a city, it's saying self-control is actually harder than conquering a city. So How? How do we do this? Is it possible? Well, I think what's clear is if we're going to rule ourselves, if we're going to overcome ourselves and be self-controlled, then we can't simply play at a surface level here. We have to go deeper. We have to dig beneath that surface. Uh, I have a love-hate relationship when it comes to weeding the garden with our kids. 
Um, I love it because on one hand it's fun to do things together, it's fun to muck around and, and doing work with them is rewarding. But on the other hand I hate it um, because our kids are terrible at weeding. Uh, they're enthusiastic, don't get me wrong, but they are bad at weeding. To them, uh, weeding is grabbing a handful of leaves, ripping them off and throwing them in the bucket. Daddy, I did it! No, <laughs> that's not how it works. Because you and I know it's not enough, is it? You know, If you're weeding, it's not enough to pull the leaves off. Uh, if you leave the roots behind, you're simply going to have to do it again. Uh, and so it's incredibly frustrating. And the same is true of our lives. When we think about self-control, so often we think about it as dealing with symptoms in our lives, uh, the things we do, the things we say, the outward things, but essentially all that is doing is pulling off the leaves and soon enough the problem rears its head again. We need to go deeper. We need to not just address actions but address our hearts. How? How do we do that? Well, we need what is at the heart of the book of Proverbs. Remember the, the, the motto, the, the, the key line of Proverbs that we saw a few weeks ago. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Wisdom is all about being God-centred, uh, starting with him, resting on him at every level and that is true for self-control as well. I mean, after all, God has promised us big things he promises in Ezekiel 36, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. He's saying, I can give you what you need. That, that deep, that radical heart change, I'm going to do that. And what we read in Titus tells us that what God promised in Ezekiel, he has made true for us. We read there, for the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all to redeem us from all wickedness and purify. See, God has made a way to go beneath the surface, to go far below, to dig deeper than our symptoms and to go straight to our hearts. Wise living, the wise self-control rests on the fear of the Lord. Its start and its basis is there in what God has done in Jesus. There is hope that we could actually conquer ourselves. There is uh, hope that wise self-control is possible, but that hope is never apart from Jesus. Without him we might win battles, but we will lose the war. With him we might lose battles, but he has already won the war. When you accept your need for him, when you trust his death in your place, then you are forgiven and deep heart surgery is done on you by him. Not only are you redeemed out of death and a futile way of life, but you are purified and you are made new. You are given a new heart. So if you look at yourself and if you see failings, you see repeated habits that you hate, uh, if you see weaknesses that you keep falling into and don't like, don't fight them without him because the only path to true self-control starts with Jesus. If you try and fight that battle without him, there are only two ways that you're going to end. One is pride, the other is despair. Uh, if you seek self-control without him, maybe you will begin to beat whatever it is you're fighting. You, you might find some success and in that moment you're going you're to see it, you're going to feel happy. 
you're going to feel glad with yourself and eventually you're going to feel proud. Look how far I've come. Look what I've done. And as Proverbs and experience tells us, pride comes before the fall. We will trip, land hard and start again and that process will continue forever. But maybe you wouldn't even get there. Maybe your fight will just end up in despair because you'll never win that battle. You'll fight and you'll fight and you'll be frustrated and you'll make no ground and you'll just feel hopeless. You know, if you can't beat this, then what hope is there for you? Apart from Jesus, there is no wise and no lasting self-control. But with him there is because he gives you the start you need. He gives you a new heart and a new beginning. And therefore there is hope for real self-control, for real change. It is possible because he has changed you fundamentally. But not only is there hope, there is grace as well. Because when you slip up, and you will slip up, we all will, it's not a matter of going back to square one, it's not a matter of losing everything that we've worked towards and having to start again. No, failure doesn't ruin us. For God has forgiven us. Our past, our present and our future as well. And in that is hope. And in that is confidence. And that is where self-control can be built. On Jesus and on Jesus alone. But how do you start that building project? Uh, Jesus has overcome the old in us. He has made us new. Self-control, self-rule is, is possible. He's laid the foundations. How do we begin to build on that? What, what do we do? Well, that's where our next proverb takes us, 25 verse 28. Let me read it again. Like a city whose walls are broken down is a man who lacks self-control. Uh, firstly, what this proverb does is it tells us how self-control works. It tells us self-control is, is like a city wall. Now, we don't have walls around our cities anymore, but, but imagine the day. Uh, a city without a wall back then is a city that's defenceless. I mean, anyone can waltz on into that city, take what they want, do what they want. There, there's no barrier, there's no prevention. It's just vulnerable. It's like the house and the polar bear. There, there, there's danger there. Now the world actually looks at it and says, that's great. You know, take down that barrier, take down that wall and then you'll be open to whatever comes your way. You know, opportunity, adventure, growth, that's the path to self-fulfilment. But experience and wisdom says, as nice as that sounds, in fact the opposite is true. Giving up self-control, giving up that wall is not a path to adventure and to growth and to self-fulfilment but instead to confusion and hurt and exploitation and fear. Uh, yes, if the world was perfect, if we were perfect, then we wouldn't have a need for self-control, but we all know our world is far from perfect and so are we. Self-control is one of our defences. Because if to lack self-control is to be like a city without walls, then to have self-control is to have a wall, is to have a guard and to have a protection against what is hurtful or harmful or what might exploit us. See, self-control guards us, but not only guards us, in doing that it gives us confidence to live well. 
Because that, that wall, that, that confidence gives us strength, it gives us safety, it gives us security, it allows us to live well in this world. Self-control is good for us. And so we want to build that wall, we want to develop it, we want to grow it, but we need to do that well. We need to do it rightly. Uh, we hear a lot today in our, our world about cyber security. It's obviously a massive issue with everything online nowadays. Uh, and if you own a business, a, a big business, it's not only a big risk, um, but a big investment. You know, there, there's millions of dollars and hours of time and, and whole companies devoted to protecting people online. But as good as those systems are, uh, still attacks come. Um, I read about one last week. Uh, Target last year in the US lost $162 million as a result of a cyber attack. Uh, it's not because they didn't have a great system in place. They did. They had experts that had advised them and, and given them everything they, they need. Uh, the reason that they were attacked and the reason that they lost that much was because their employees had weak passwords. Uh, apparently there were dozens of employees who had the password, password1. Um, if that's your password, go home and change it. Because it, it doesn't matter how much you invest in, in this great system and in this great fancy uh, online protection, if you have one flaw, it's enough. It, it's fatal. It's a path to disaster. And the same is true of self-control. Uh, again, Tim Keller says this, a lack of self-control, even in just one area of life, is a life-threatening problem. It is all well and good to build a great big wall around your life, but if there is one gap, there is a weakness, potentially life-threatening. And I'll bet that makes you feel really good. <laughs> Doesn't that just feel like it puts self-control even further out of reach? You know, it's not enough just to work on our strengths, but we have to work on our weaknesses as well. I mean, who can focus on every part of their life at once? You know, I, I can do maybe one or two things, but everything? Surely that is impossible. How do we really build that sort of self-control? Well, we do it by simply realising we are not alone. We are not alone. Not only has Jesus made self-control possible, but he has made it doable because he has sent a helper. He has sent the Holy Spirit. You remember the fruit of the Spirit? You, know, you learn them in Sunday school. If, if you did Sunday school, love, joy, peace, patience, then you know, we forget the rest. But we know the end one. It ends. Self-control. And there it is. There is our help. There is the promise. We are not alone in this because Jesus has sent his Holy Spirit to live in us and part of the fruit that he grows within us is the fruit of self-control. He is helping us in that. How? How do we do that with him? Well, by working with him, using the means he uses. We work hand in hand by using the means that the Spirit uses. Uh, recently, we built a house. Um, it struck me the other day, that's a funny way to describe it because I didn't build anything, which is a very good thing. <laughs> uh, I didn't do anything. I didn't cut any timber. Uh, I didn't drive any nails in. I didn't even pick up a tool. I didn't even pick up a broom to sweep up. I'm even worse than an apprentice. So how did we build a house? Uh, well, we employed means. 
We employed a draftsman to draw up our plans. We employed a surveyor to, to lay out the site. We employed a builder to put everything together and, and so on and so forth. I didn't do it, but we built it using means. And so it is when it comes to building self-control. We work with the Spirit. We build self-control by using means. What are the means that we use? Well, they're very simple. We use the Word. Uh, the Bible calls itself the Spirit's sword. Uh, the Word keeps us grounded in grace. It keeps bringing us back to what is most important, this good news of forgiveness and life and hope in Jesus. The Word doesn't let us get away from Him as we ought to be. But not only does it keep taking us back to him, the word also shows us ourselves as we truly are. Not only the word, but the spirit uses prayer. Uh, Growing and building self-control isn't a mechanical process, it's a relational one. And prayer, speaking, is the stuff of relationships. Coming to God again and again, talking to him, asking for his help and in humility leaning on him. And we use community. See, God has placed us in church families for a really good reason, simply that we need each other. No man is an island, and especially when it comes to self-control, because one of the chief ways that God works in our lives is through his servants, that is, each other. We need each other in this. And so by employing, by pursuing these means, word and prayer and spirit, we learn to walk in step with the spirit. We we do this work of building self-control alongside him. And as we read in in Titus before, this this grace, this grace of Jesus that the spirit teaches us, uh, teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. That is, it teaches us self-control. So walk in step with the spirit, use the means that God has given us, grow self-control and build that wall. Now self-control means saying sometimes no. Uh, It says uh, there's some things that are just always no, outright. Uh, Some things that are never good for us and that we should always be on the the defence against. Uh, For example, porn. Porn is never helpful. It is always harmful and degrading. And so self-control in that area is saying no, over and over again. It's not dabbling or partaking in some ways, but it's always no. But not just no, it's, it's more than that. It means also being aware of times when you might be tempted to say yes, when you might be weaker or more vulnerable. Uh, maybe tiredness, maybe frustration, maybe late in the evening, maybe when you're using technology alone. And so self-control isn't just saying no when temptation comes, it's actually setting up Uh, ways of avoiding it and preventing it. Maybe not using technology in in quiet places. Maybe not using it when you're tired or frustrated. Maybe seeking out alternatives, Uh, exercise or or some sort of activity or prayer or or texting a trusted friend, accountability. And see, by doing that, not just by saying no, but by putting good things into your life, we build self-control. But see, self-control is more than just saying no to bad things. Self-control is also saying enough to good things, to placing good things uh, in their place and under control. For example, alcohol in itself is not a bad thing, but it can be a bad thing when used badly or used excessively. 
And so in that case, we need to learn when to say no. Now, for some of you, that might be an issue, and so you need to say no full stop, never. Don't entertain, if that's you, then don't entertain that temptation. For others of you, it's knowing yourself and knowing where to put boundaries in. I mean, we could continue, couldn't we? Uh, gaming, gaming is fun, gaming is, is a good thing, but it is so easy to pour in endless hours and time into it. Uh, gaming addiction is a real thing. Apparently it's actually a mental illness now. Whether or not you agree with that, uh, it shows just how serious a problem this can be. And so we need to be, self-control is being aware of our own weaknesses, setting good boundaries in our lives. Maybe avoiding games that are particularly addictive. Maybe uh, setting times where you say, I'm not going to play at that time. What about work? I mean, it sounds strange, but we actually need self-control when it comes to work. work. Work is a good thing, but work can be a too big thing. It has a way, doesn't it, of, of creeping in. Uh, longer hours, uh, encroaching on family time, even coming on holidays. Now, of course, there's times, uh, there's seasons of busyness, but we can't justify that uh, by making them long-term. We need to keep work in its place. We need to understand that it's sometimes better to miss an opportunity in order to exercise self-control. And we could go on. It's, it's in all things, isn't it? In food, in the way we use technology or social media, in the way we get angry, in, in the words we use. And our aim here is not to, to beat ourselves up over this, but instead to build ourselves up and to establish good patterns of self-control. To, to build our wall, not by ignoring the areas that we're weak in and, and just focusing on our strengths, but in building everything. Being self-controlled in all things. Now there's not one rule that will fit all of us. Uh, what works for me probably won't work for you. And so in this we need to know ourselves. We need to know what issues we uh, wrestle with. And we need to seek out by word and by prayer and, and with the help of others good ways that we can practice self-control. Knowing that this is wise, that this is the path of life that God intended for us, knowing that he has saved us and that we're forgiven even when we slip up, knowing that his spirit lives in us and gives us power for the task. Paul reminds us in Romans 8 verse 11, And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. If the Spirit is powerful enough to raise Jesus from the dead, then that same Spirit who lives in all of God's people is surely powerful to bring life in us and grow us. That is the better, that is the more powerful news of the Gospel. Uh, an old theologian by the name of John Berridge uh, wrote this. He said, Run, John, and work the law commands, yet finds me neither feet nor hands. But sweeter news the gospel brings. It bids me fly and lends me wings. You might remember we started with Odysseus. He, uh, he avoided the sirens through lots of hard work, uh, through lots of effort, wax and ropes and, and whatnot. It was difficult, uh, it was painful and it was risky. But there's another sailor who passed the sirens successfully. Uh, his name was Orpheus. 
Uh, Orpheus was a famous musician and he made it by them safely, not using wax, uh, not using ropes, not trying to close the ears of the sailors. Instead, he played them music so that their ears, instead of being filled with the song of the sirens, uh, he filled their ears with a better song. He played them a more beautiful music and compared to the music that he played, the song of the sirens sounded dull and uninteresting. And we have a more beautiful song. We have a better music than anything in the world. We have a song of grace and of mercy, a song of a saviour who gave his own blood for our forgiveness. Listen to that song, learn its melody, fill your ears with it and you'll find that self-control will follow closely behind. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, teach us to love the better song of the gospel that you've given us. May we learn its notes well, uh, the song it sings of Jesus who forgives and gives us a new heart, of the Spirit who fills us and renews us and empowers us. And by that strong, may you give us song, may you give us strength to exercise wise self-control. Father, you know the things that we wrestle with. You know the regrets. Uh, you know what trips us up and makes us feel weak. So may you help us in our Saviour, in his Spirit's power, to be strong, to be able to say no, to be able to set good boundaries, to be able to run from temptation. Instead, help us to be wise, help us to be self-controlled, fearing and living for you in all things. In Jesus we pray.